It's Thursday, May 24th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 485 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 52 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Eric. This is Wayne. My name's Jeff. Quick reminder that Fear the Con is still coming up. I believe the wing night is on June 21st. The con itself is on Friday, June 22nd and Saturday, June 23rd. I'll put links to all that in the show notes. If you are interested in game mastering, we could use more game masters. Always. And even if you're just there to attend, that's good stuff. Get out there, get signed up for games. We look forward to seeing you in, I guess, what's going to be by the time this show drops, about a month? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's going up fast. So, fearthecon.com, and then we also put a link to the Con Planner site where you can go out and create games or sign up for games. All right, Wayne, let's talk pets. <laughs> and we don't mean in the BDSM sense. Oh, we don't? No, that's a different... Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get Brodor on, back on like at a night after he gets off work and so we can do a negative episode and maybe I'll get him talking about that. Okay. So I brought up this idea for a topic because in our current D and D fifth edition game, that's a Sunday game. I have a wizard that has a familiar Mm -hmm. familiar is a Raven. It's really important to me that this isn't just a stat block. It isn't a mechanic. I want this to be something that I can interact with, that it has a personality of its own. I want it to be interesting because I like pet classes in games and mm-hmm. this is kind of part of that, but I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with how to make it interesting. I'm struggling with when I'm interacting with a bird, I'm not interacting with another player. And we also in the group have a player that has a pet. That's a rat mm-hmm. that is not a familiar, nothing special. It's just a rat that hasn't come up. And we have a ranger that may very well have a pet as well. So that's really where this whole idea comes from is how do you make pets interesting, make them something to care about yet and not, more than a stat block, but not overwhelmed. Yeah. Not so interesting that they're more interesting than the other players too. I, I think the good point there too, is that one of our players is a ranger. If she goes for the pet version of the ranger subclass or whatever it's called, how do you have other players have pets, but make her pet more important because her pet is like a class feature. You know, she gave up certain things to have this instead. So it should be more important. I, well, I think in the case of a ranger, stats are going to take care of some of that. Right. But let's put stats aside for a minute. Because it, what if she picks an octopus? That would be amazing. I'm a campaigner, People have done D&D, you know, Oceanic. No, no, we're not underwater. Yeah, I'm I'm just just an octopus. Just in a tank. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she just pulls it around. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it It sits on her head. Right, right. No, die. Well, I mean, after a while. After a while. Well, we have a tank. We're pulling it around. (laughs) Come out sometimes. So, all right. I I think in some cases, stats alone would help make the distinction that somebody's random pet rat is never going to be as useful or as functional as a familiar or a war horse or somebody's mm-hmm. ranger animal. But now let's talk, though, not stats. Let's talk story. I think the problem that pets present for a game master is, on the one hand, you want them to be something more than a piece of equipment. But on the other hand, the game master already has enough going on. 
that you really don't need that many more NPCs. Right. Particularly in something like D&D, where you could have a whole lot of people that have some kind of tack-on to their character, or they have a retainer or a pet or a familiar or a war horse or whatever it is, and suddenly the game master's left dealing with Wild Kingdom. The group has just doubled in size. And the game master already has a list of NPCs that are necessary to conducting yeah. the central story. And and not only has the group doubled in size, it's doubled in size in a meaningful way. It, it isn't just you've hired a couple of commoners named Bob and Ted to haul around your octopus tank. They're not really that important. I mean, it's like this is your rat that you've found when you were young and was your pet and you grew up with and is very important to you or this is your war horse part of your holy paladin quest or this is your dark familiar that whispers secrets into your ear at night well you hit on something there too all of that are things where it's important to the character right some players may just want that to be the stat block yeah i don't because i'm an animal person i want that to be something i interact with but another player that might be perfectly fine Mm -hmm. a familiar is a toad that gives me a plus one to something. Right. Oh, yeah. Wide angle vision. Ah. Right. My brother-in-law uh, in uh, Pathfinder played a druid who had a wolf. And if you know anything about the, the abilities of the wolf, they have the trip attack. And he would use the trip attack so that way he would get the attack of opportunity from the person trying to get mm-hmm. back up. So he, it was all mechanics for him. It had nothing really to do with the fact that is yeah. that he loved the wolf. It was because it was for that one benefit. Mm-hmm. So if you have stuff like that, then yeah, once a pet becomes a combatant in my mind, as a game master, they become a target. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh hell yes. Going back to the blades in the dark game, mm-hmm. the was the dog's name ghost. Yes. Yes. That was one where, that is a something that could become a target. Mm-hmm. But it also had personality, and yep. I thought that was done very well of it became part of the group yeah. without overwhelming anything. And it's like, I don't know as a player how to do that. With, I, th- I think with that there's mind. three categories. There's three ways of looking at it. To me, the lowest and least important one is, like you said, the stat block. I have a sword, I have a shield, I have a wolf, and they're all the same thing. They're, they're uh, a means to an end in combat. Maybe some light role play, whatever. The second thing is it's a prop. So, like, Beth is playing a sorceress, and in 5th edition you can take these, uh, I forget what they're called, like personality or background sort of things that, that tack on to your character. You can be a sailor, you can be a bandit, you can be a noble. Everybody took noble. She's a noble, but she's, like, rebellious, so she took, uh, like, street urchin or something. And so she's, like, slumming it, even though her family's rich. Part of her being a street urchin is you get this, you get that, you get this, and you get a pet rat or mouse. It's, I think it's a rat. It's a rat. Okay. So you get a pet rat. For her and how she kind of treats it, which is forgets that it exists, it's a prop. It may be something that I, as a game master, can do something with, or if she wants to do some role play where she's in a bar and she can have it do some tricks to impress some people. It is a role-playing prop, as I have a fancy hat or I have a magnificent cape. It's something or, a noble's not supposed to have. Right. Yeah. So it, it is a means to end on role-playing, just like the, your friend's wolf is a means to an end on combat. But then I think that there is a third category. And the third category is where we run into issues or have opportunities. It is where... The pet, the animal, is important in some way. 
it is something that you want to have personality, you want to interact with. You look to the game master to control it, to do unexpected things that are fun that you can role play with. The game master might look to the player to control the animal and have it and puppet it through role play and have it do things that are unexpected or interesting as an, as an extension of their character and of their interaction with the world and the role play. So from that, the, the other two we can talk about, but I don't think they're as important. It's the third category that's really important. And that splits off into two subcategories. Who controls it? Is it an extension of the character that the player controls both? And kind of puppets both of them. They have, they have a hand in two puppets, mm-hmm. right? And they're, they're doing both and they're using it for role play. Or is it something that the game master controls so as to add spice and variety and interest for the, the character who owns a pet and everyone else? Or do you do a hybrid of it? So, all right. So the way that I personally have handled this in most games is if there is an animal, it is an NPC and therefore I control it. Now, I don't give it full NPC status because, once again, I've got too many other NPCs to deal with. But unless it is something that rules-wise, the character is supposed to be fully controlling. Mm -hmm. then As much as you can control any... Right, I mean, it's it's something you have a mind link to, and it literally is your puppet. It is an extension of your will. If we assume we're not talking about something like that, then I controlled as the Game Master. And the way that I try to keep it interesting without overwhelming myself as a GM is two things. The first off is I give it, and I came up with a nice alliteration here, two thematic traits. Mm. All right. So two traits, and I try to keep them thematically consistent with what it should be. All right. For example, somebody has a war horse. That thing should not be cowardly or disloyal or something like that. Maybe a little bitey. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bitey, something like that. But we don't want the thing to be broken. That I have given it traits that have gone out of the theme of what this is supposed to be, and therefore I have now broken. Unless you're doing an edge case playing against type, and it's like Don Quixote's broken horse. and it. But even then, that's the theme. Sure, yeah, exactly. That's within the theme. And I go with two traits, because two traits are usually very easy to remember. And the combination of them create all kinds of fun stuff. Let me give you two examples. Both of these were familiars. One was John had a toad, and the two traits I gave it was curious and incontinent. <laughs> so every time John would camp, this toad would go hunting through his pack, and as soon as John would reach to grab his pack, it would get spooked and pee <laughs> on his stuff. You know, it had a constant bit of comedy to it it had Mm -hmm. personality but in other situations like they'd be in a dungeon or something and this thing would go if he let it it would go wander off and look around because it's curious so i didn't always have to use the two traits together but that was always easy to remember another one was this was a guy i used to game with he had a raven familiar i think it was a raven and its two traits is that it was helpful and it was big into organizing. Like, it was mm. almost like OCD. Right. So he had a shop. And it was just like a curiosity shop. Mm-hmm. And he left one day and left the bird in there. And the bird reorganized his stock. 
based on what the bird thought was sensible. Right. So it was just arranged by like size and shape, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like items being yeah. together. He just kind of put things that look similar together. And it was kind of funny because he got so annoyed with it that at one point he actually tried to kill his own familiar. <laughs> and he was playing a, this was back in second or third edition D&D, and he was playing a guy, and if you know your Forgotten Realms, he's from a land called Lantan. And down there they have a little bit of technology, and they have like Renaissance-era firearms. And so it was on his character sheet that he did have, it was like a flintlock pistol or something, and he tried to shoot the bird, <laughs> rolled a one, and so I'm like, well, you just blew a hole in the roof of your cottage, <laughs> and now it's gone fire. And, you know, I didn't make a huge sure. fuss about it, but it, it created a scene, which leads me to my second point, that I use the pets to fill in the empty spaces. Mm-hmm. The spotlight is never on the animal. It's not yeah. like today's session is going to be all about the adventures of Horsey Horse. <laughs> and we're going to learn all kinds of things about how it was bred and where it's been and who its previous owners were. I mean, if you're going to do that, that's cool. Except you have an NPC. That just yeah. happens to be a horse. And that's fine. That's something different. But what I look for is these empty spaces where things are getting down tempo or people are at camp or there's kind of a, a break in the role playing and then I have it act up or act out and kind of fill in that quiet space. So I love the personality trait idea a lot. And that's something I'm already spinning in my head of what kind of personality traits would a Raven have? I know Chad is the type of GM that if it's something that is, if there's rules around it that's around your character, he's already got enough to run in the world. You kind of run with that. Yeah. I don't expect him to remember that I've got a bird around with me either. Yeah. I kind of bring it up. I also thought about the whole NPC versus the player controlling it thing. And when I think back, I pretty much intentionally never say what it's doing. I always say what I tell it to do with the mindset mm-hmm. of something else could potentially happen. With one exception, I did in this last game, we had been underground all this time. And when we came up, I said the first thing it does is fly into the sky. Right. Because it's been you know, underground and it hasn't even been mentioned because we're in a cave. So it didn't come up. And I knew there's no way anybody would think about my bird on my sheet other than me (laughs) when we come outside. Well, one of the things that I would love to do, like, for example, with your bird is I would keep it thematically correct. And I'm going to use another T here. I might go against tight because I could go with the generic things of saying, well, you have a Raven. So what do we know about Ravens? You know, well, they tend to be playful. They like shiny objects. Mm-hmm. And They're so smart. Yeah. And so I can go with kind of the generic attributes of what that animal either already is or we culturally posit it to be. If you have the owl, the owl is wise and reserved. And to me that's so Done. flat. Yeah. It's right. just it's so, not that interesting. And so I would want it to be a little bit it doesn't have to be disruptive. It doesn't have to be unhelpful. But I'd want it to be out there. For example, what I might have is it's, and I always screw this word up, is it teetotaler? Yeah. So I got it right. Okay. I I guess I don't always screw it up. (laughs) So uh, it's a teetotaler. Like it cannot. How do you screw it up though? Is it like, I usually say totaler? No, I usually (laughs) shorten it to uh, teetotal. 
Oh, Instead no, of tea to- and, yeah, it's teetotaler. Yeah, or, or teetotal. So I, I always shorten it for some reason. But I might have it. That that'd be one. And so the thing, for some reason, cannot stand it when you drink. And so if you go into a bar and you get an ale, as soon as you look the other direction, it kicks it over because it cannot stand it when you drink alcohol. There's something I can have a lot of fun with, but at the same time, it's not going to be disruptive to the game, nor is it the generic, here's what we associate with that animal. I think that's very important to balance that, too, is that playful impishness where it makes these funny little scenes and, you know, it's something to kind of laugh about and it doesn't really break on the game and on the role play is good. I think that people can punish players with their own pets to make them so annoying and so... Or unhelpful. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they're annoying, they're unhelpful, they're grating. In the case of the bird that the guy... They're only there to squawk really loud when you're sneaking up on the yeah, guy. That's the right. only interaction they have. Precisely. <laughs> and in this case, like, for example, going back to the bird that I was talking about earlier, the hole in the roof and the shop being on fire was not the familiar's doing. Right. That, that came from the player's reaction to the bird simply reorganizing product in the shop, mm-hmm. which, okay, was it was humorous that... Yeah. It wasn't like the bird, you know, took all his money and gave it to charity or, or something. Or the bird got a gun. You're the bird. Shot him. <laughs> right. the, the bird shows up in the middle of the night with a knife to his throat. <laughs> I've looked for little ways to just kind of mention the bird to mm-hmm. kind of show that it's not just something that only shows up when I need something mechanically. So at one point, the party is traveling, and I describe that as we travel... There's a stick. I fling in the air. It catches the stick, brings it back to me. I'm playing fetch mm-hmm. with a flying See, bird. That's a fun yeah. one. Yeah. You could run with that. The bird secretly wishes, or not so secretly wishes, it had been a dog. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. Why do some people wish they'd been bur- born as birds or dolphins? I don't know. Which is we mix. Or well, way mix. <laughs> that could be really fun in a, in a 5e game with yeah. it, because with Find Familiar... It's a celestial being. You can conjure it back up as a different animal, potentially. Like an octopus? <laughs> Maybe at some point it's been a dog. Yeah. Or, I mean, because isn't there a specifically a celestial dog of some kind? I can't remember. The, a blink dog. Is, is the blink dog? They're so, evil, yeah. though. Are they? No. Well, well, I don't want to get too much into the wank, blink <laughs> yeah. dog wank. But yeah, I'm sure that there is some sort of celestial dog-like canine. Hitting on dog is something else, though. I think one of the reasons I'm struggling is that I've never had a bird, and I don't particularly like birds. Mm. So I don't know how you interact with a bird as a player. See, I don't know that. That's why I would have the bird interact with you. Here's another one I would consider is the bird is a matchmaker. And so, like, if you talk to a pretty girl and then start to walk away, it suddenly starts pecking your neck <laughs> until you go back. Or it and sits t- on her shoulder. Uh, yeah, or it sits on her <laughs> shoulder or something like that. Or it takes, like... It or brings you, a rose down. And yeah, or, or like if she, or he, she does, the bird does it inappropriately. Like you hit on the girl and completely bomb and strike out and make an ass of yourself. And then you walk away and then the bird goes, sits on her shoulder and it won't come back until you come back <laughs> yeah, and or, ask for your damn bird back. Or like <laughs> take something out of her hat and takes it to you. So now you have to go back yeah. to see her. <laughs> yeah, but I can, I can always turn that off as a game right. master. When the theme is is wrong for that, or it's becoming disruptive, or you're trying to stealth pass something or whatever, yeah. and I don't want to be an a-hole, you can turn that off. It just stops doing it. You know, it's not like this is always on. 
I think I would struggle as a GM with what a personality of a bird would be too. Cause like I said, I don't really know birds. Does anyone else have that problem of different types of animals in games? Well, my preference, see, I have two different preferences between when I'm a player and when I'm a GM. My preference when I'm a GM is that I want the animals to be an extension of the character. I want two hands and two puppets from the player. But I also understand, I don't know why, and I could be wrong, but through my experience of gaming for years, most people don't seem like they want to do that. They don't like that. They have their character, their character is a pet, and they want the pet to interact with them. I guess it's understandable. I mean, that that's why you take the NPC, the, the pet, so that you don't sit there. I mean, what, what's worse as a game master when the party enters a room and there's two NPCs talking to each other? Right. Yeah. And you have to talk to yourself like it's a goddamn tennis game. I hate that. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> as a game master, there's probably nothing more I hate than role playing with myself. And you know what? And when That's, you have to fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two puppets from, for one player. That's the player version of that because you are interacting with your pet and then you have to have the pet interact back. Now, you're not having a conversation, but the interaction is taken away from you because now you're moving the pet. So I get that as a game master, I want them to do that. But the more I talk about it, the more I think that I'm wrong. Here's here's my solution to that. If you have another player character, another player mm. who's willing to play yeah. the pet. That's yeah, yeah I guess you could do a... What is I was it? thinking what? monsters and other yeah, childish is things. Is it where, or yeah, yeah. You, every, the person to your yeah. right plays half your character? Yeah. There's a couple of games like that. Monsters and other childish things has it. Uh, Better Angels I'll say, has I'll it. Better Angels was another one. Yeah. Where, yeah, the player to your right. So I play half of my character, and then someone to my right or left plays the other half. So I mean, I would be you know, happy to pick another player. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if this is going to work in the game. Yeah, Wayne, what I want you to do is I want you to take one of the note cards and I want you to just write a couple of personality, like the two personality things. Right. Just like one sentence apiece, whatever, your crow's name, your your raven's name. And when I run the D&D game, I say, okay, who's going to give me a recap of the last game? And I give them a poker chip. And the poker chip is good for one reroll, just for giving me the recap. And then they turn it in. I am going to give them a poker chip and this card. They control the raven. Now they have to role play the raven and they can't use the raven. Actually, they can use it to their advantage because then maybe I would want them to befriend the raven because it's role play. And what the hell are they going to do with a raven? You know? Yeah, I, mean, I guess there's so much you can do as long as it isn't a As long as they don't weaponize it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Depending on the person, that would yeah. be my concern. And this goes once again against theme. If I've got a familiar, that familiar, it's a given that the familiar may be imperfect in its understanding of the world. But it is loyal to me. Right. It's yeah. not going to... Unless one of its personality traits... Is cock-block. Cock-block. <laughs> something like that. Well, sure. But even then, I mean, it's, it's different than it. And I, I think that the Game Master, the Game Master being myself in this case, can say, okay, we're going to try this. It's going to be an experiment. This mm. is Wayne's class function thing. Mm. This is part of him. So nobody f*** this up. Nobody abuse this. But you play the bird. And just like with NPCs, you get people who play NPCs, they become attached to those NPCs. You could yeah. almost it you could almost be like a group mascot at that point. Right. After right. a while. And, and it I think with this group it would work. I think that with other groups where they're a bit more, you know, gung ho, maybe a little bit more munchkin y, yeah, it would be exactly what you said, Dan. Some someone would weaponize it. 
But I think in our group it yeah. might work. There, I think there might be a trap in the hallway. Well, for no particular <laughs> technically Birdie McBirdface is is curious, so he's gonna go walking down, stepping with about fifteen pounds of pressure, and we don't know why he's doing yeah. this, on each floor plate ahead of us. I mean, if I were one of the players and I got that, I would totally play my character hates the goddamn bird. <laughs> but I'm playing the bird. And all it does all game is annoy the shit out of my character who can do nothing about it and just has to take it. I, the, the, I can only think of two times in my role-playing career where I've been a player and played in a meaningful way a cast of characters. Mm-hmm. The two times being Gnarl at Alia. Because I was playing multiple gnolls. There was Gnarl, there was his mate Sharpa, there was Rot, who was sort of his comedic foil... Then he had two or three bodyguards, and I played all of them. They all had their own voices and right. personalities, and they didn't all get along, and all kinds of stuff was going on there. And the other was years and years ago, I had another guy that was running my Transformers game for me, and I played all five parts of a combiner. Hmm. Once again, each of them had their own voice. They had personality conflicts. They didn't always get along, but... Man, was it, it was work to do because yeah. I had to work out the voices and the personalities and be able to shift them quickly. But one of the things that I found that struck that kind of middle road we're looking for here is there was always some degree of tension, but they were never fundamentally against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, Rot was constantly being an ass to Gnarl. Right. And Gnarl would then usually beat him up for because that's what gnolls do and Gnarl was a lot bigger. Yeah. But Rot had this constant sass. It's how he was trying to exert dominance was by being a jackass. But at no point was it like, okay, the minis are on the table. Here comes the bad guy and Rot back attacks Gnarl. Right. You know, it never reached that point. And I think with pets, that's typically how I've always handled it is they're just conflicting with you enough that you notice they're there and you know they aren't you. They aren't an extension mm-hmm. of your will, but they are never going to genuinely undermine you or harm you. Yeah. I think that's something I kind of am missing when I try to build out the character like that is when I think about my real world pets, my dogs get into things mm-hmm. that they shouldn't. I get angry with them. Doesn't mean I don't love my dogs. Sure. Doesn't mean I don't have great, wonderful bonding Maybe times you're not with them. Take your flintlock from your yeah. magical realm out and blow <laughs> exactly. the ceiling. <laughs> but I've never tried doing that with a NPC animal in a game. Yeah, I've never done the downsides to it. Yeah, that sometimes they are animals. They yeah. will get into things. We they just will... got back from dinner, and I had to clean up the kitchen a bit because I forgot to put the trash can up. And so Charlie, I know it's Charlie, got into, <laughs> got into, I actually messed up Carla with this because she's in this Venezuelan society of Missouri. Mm-hmm. So obviously people in there have Hispanic names. Right. Well, there was a guy in there who I thought his name was Juan Carlos or something like that. So I started referring to our dog Charlie as Juan Charlos. And I've done it so many times that this guy came over and Carla actually said to him, Hi, Juan Charlos. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. You can just like get these habits broken into people's heads. But no, I know it was Charlie who got into it. He got into the trash because he's snooping for food or whatever it is. 
And he also one of his traits is misbehaves when misbehaves or constantly hungry or however yeah. you would want to do that. You know, he also took there's a little dish we put up on the island in the kitchen that we put a little bit of milk in for the cat. Well, he pulled that down and drank the milk. Not that there's a lot there, but still. A dick. That's a dick move. <laughs> that is a dick move. Cat's but supposed to be your friend. You could put that down as he's constantly hungry or constantly right. snooping for food. There's another one, and this is one that, and I, I want to be clear here, I'm not being insulting or facetious. This is 100% true. Dogs can exhibit many of the same mental illnesses that exhibit in people. Okay, so dogs can have anxiety disorders. They can have uh, I mean, depression. if you've ever been to a shelter and seen an abused dog. Yeah. yeah. Crypto right has there. been with me now for a couple of years, and I think maybe a year or two. But he was like that. He was very much a scared, timid dog. Yeah. And while we've you know worked through a lot of that, and he's people friendly now, mm-hmm. he's all great and all. The slightest sound, and he shakes. Yeah, I mean it's or cowers. His we, tail will fly up under his legs. We have the the same thing with our dog Izzy. She clearly has some kind of an anxiety disorder, and we've even seen her have panic attacks. And that's something you could put into an animal. Now, it may not always work, but here's another attribute of her that could work. One of her things, and I don't know if this is OCD or this is some form of like a dog version of autism. I have no idea. But she cannot handle things being not the way they normally are. Hmm. She knows when bedtime is. And if Carla does not go to bed, because I have a really irregular schedule, but if Carla does not go to bed at Carla's bedtime, which is right around 10 o'clock, Izzy cannot handle it. Hmm. So she'll start getting upset. She'll start whimpering. She'll start walking up towards the stairs, go partway up, hmm. then come back down and try to get Carla's attention, then go partway back up. And now I could walk through her entire day. Her whole day is like this, that things have to be just so. And if they aren't, then it starts to profoundly bother her. She must have hated it when you moved to this mansion. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're still trying to find her in the mansion. You see the, the missing dog post <laughs> in his kitchen? That's right. We're, we're hoping some of the uh, help will eventually <laughs> see her at one of the intersections further into the compound and bring her back. But you know, another thing about her, and this seems to be tied into her anxiety, is she really struggles with any surface that looks slick or shiny mm-hmm. she is bothered by any surface where she doesn't feel confident she has good traction now is this appropriate to a pet in a dnd game i don't know but my point is that there are all kinds of things that you can draw from and the one big thing i would come back to is when you're doing this you don't have to play to the template of the animal and i mean okay i guess if you have a pet dog that is just a dog, there's nothing special about it, there's nothing remarkable about it, then maybe it sits there and pants happily and begs for food is enough. Right. But if we're doing anything more than that, if you said this dog is a familiar, that's not what I'd be drawing from because this, by nature of being a familiar, is already something weird. It doesn't have to fit the parameters of this is what a dog is supposed to be. Right, only eats fine food or something, you know, like crazy. Like yeah, he's a picky eater. <laughs> you know, you could also do th- three traits, and the three traits for an animal could be something weird, like he only eats fine food, something normal, it's pretty loyal, and his his misbehavior. How is this animal naughty? How does it act out? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you give it, I guess you'll put this in D&D terms, 
here's your either good or lawful trait, <laughs> here's your neutral trait, and here's your either chaotic what, what would, or, or what would evil it be trait. For an animal? It, it wouldn't be law and chaos. It would be like loyalty and yeah. misbehavior. Yeah, just, it wouldn't be good and evil, but it would be like aggressiveness versus timidity or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you have the good trait. Uh, the dog is brave. Right. You have the neutral trait, which is the dog likes to cuddle. And then you have the chaos trait, which is the dog is constantly hunting for food and doesn't care where it gets it, mm-hmm. yeah, for example. And so you're hauling something back to town to be butchered, and <laughs> suddenly there's doggy bite marks all over it. And Yeah, I think the other thing you have to watch, as we, we've talked a lot about you know, little funny things here and things to kind of lighten mood and all, you don't want to do that over the top too much. Yeah. You don't want to make it a parody. Right. That's something I would worry about is I've seen players bring something into their character that they thought was interesting that ended up becoming a joke. And immediately when it becomes a joke, the player quits caring about it. Mm-hmm. Well, or gets tired. Yeah. It just gets really yeah. tired. Yeah. It, it's This has to be seasoning. This can't be what... Well, the... I mean, go back to John's Incontinent Toad thing. It's the 47th time the toad is pissed in my backpack. Right. Well, it stops becoming a comedy thing and becoming, well, I'm just the guy at the piss-filled backpack yeah. now. Yeah, the right. only interaction I ever have with this toad is it peeing in my backpack. Yeah, it's toad pee. Yeah. Right, and you, then you start stealthing it into somebody else's backpack, <laughs> and then somebody wants to kill your toad. Right. Which, that's hilarious. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there, there does come a point where it's, it's boring. Or if it's not boring, it's frustrating, and pretty soon you're in the next town buying a rolling pin to get rid of the toad. <laughs> That's why I like the good trait and the bad traits thing, because mm-hmm. if you only pick one, if you're only always hitting the bad ones, yeah. that's a problem. You have to show the others to balance it out to be a relationship with this pet versus it just always seeing the bad side. Yeah. I think going into that as well, it is okay, as a game master, if you're kind of controlling the pet, it is okay that the pet just falls through a plot hole sometimes because the players have the spotlight and they're doing something and there's role player, there's combat or there's some daring do or some, you know, the tension's really high. I'll be honest. Nobody, nobody cares about your damn bird at no. that point. It, it's really yeah. just going to take it away. Now the bird's cool and great or the dog or the, the whatever, but it is about the people and it, it's okay if the bird that's constantly on the person's shoulder is suddenly just not a thing that is dealt with until the tension so down. All right, so a good high. example of that was Sunday's game. Right. We were in caves. We were underground. Sneaking, the, hiding, in danger. The bird was there, but the bird was essentially on my shoulder doing nothing the whole time right. because we are not in the element and we're in all these tense moments that it just doesn't make sense to even talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, there's a really old and tired story that, that I'm sure is far more urban legend than truth. Or if it is truth, it's been a truth that's occurred so many times that might as well be urban legend about somebody who's like trying to make a point about life and takes a jar mm-hmm. and they fill it with rocks and say, well, is it full now? <laughs> and people say, oh, yeah. Well, then the person puts smaller rocks and kind of shakes it down mm-hmm. and the smaller rocks fall between the bigger rocks. The person says, well, is it full? And the people say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well then the guy takes sand and he puts mm-hmm. sand in there and well, is it now full? Finally it ends with, I think the, there, then there's 25,000 variations right. of the story. But the one that I'm most familiar with is at the very end, the last thing to be put in there was water. 
that then fills throughout that sand. And I think using that tired ass metaphor, I would describe these animals as they are either the sand or the water. This is not what you are trying to fill your plot with, Mm -hmm. to borrow from Pink Floyd. This is going to fill the empty spaces where we used to talk. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to use it for, is to fill those empty points or to add a little bit of color or humor when it's appropriate. This it's not an NPC. Yeah. In the standard sense of an NPC. Now I do think that it would be fun though, if you're playing like a D and D game and everybody has a familiar, a pet rat, a ranger's animal, a war horse, and it's sort of a down tempo night and everybody goes to camp, everybody goes to sleep, and now they play their the, the animals pets. and they can talk like it's freaking Secret of Nim or Watership Down, yeah. and they have their little animal adventure there, while everyone's asleep. Yeah, there was a Sesame Street like that where I think it was a refrigerator, and when they would close the refrigerator, the food, of course, was all puppets. Right. Yeah. And so the food would all come to life and start having food-related mm-hmm. conversations. And yeah, I think that would be a hilarious thing for an April Fool's game or something. <laughs> is you guys are all asleep, and the animals have an adventure where they go out and fight a couple of skeletons, mm-hmm. and the group never even knows. No, and they got to the, be back before everyone wakes up. Yeah, they got to be back before everyone wakes up, and the group never even knows they were mm-hmm. in peril of the skeleton king <laughs> yeah. because of the fact that Bertie McBirdface and Horsey McHorsehoof and all the other menagerie of animals went off and solved this. Right. And then the regular rat, who's just a dumb rat, <laughs> but they bring it along because, you know, they kind of feel bad right. for it. <laughs> I feel like, well, surely we can find some way to use this rat. Yes. To contribute to the team. Yeah. The rat can at least understand us. As of right now, the raven is I think Wayne and I are trying to... I'm separately trying to figure out how to make it interesting. Yeah. Wayne's trying to figure out how to make it interesting. The ranger does not have the the pet yet. We don't even know if they're going to go for a pet. The paladin is not even talking about a war horse. The rat is a line item on an inventory sheet. (laughs) And my plan with the rat is I, as a game master, am never going to mention the rat until the player does. Well, the rat does. Because the player... Thus far, obviously, does it is just a line item. They don't care that it exists, yeah. and that's okay. It does sound like a trip to Hot Topic. That yeah, this is. What, <laughs> that, I'm serious. That this it sounds like this is something she did because nobles aren't supposed to do it. Right? No, it is. That is exactly what it is. And if she does not care about the rat, totally legit. But I'm not going to put anything into it. Now, Wayne, I see Wayne actively trying to put stuff into this yeah. raven, and I'm like racking my head how to make this interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I, like I said, I'm struggling with it. I think one of the reasons I struggle with this is because I don't know birds. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have as much struggle if it were... An octopus? <laughs> a dog or a no. cat or an animal that I've interacted with. We've had all this talk about the D&D game. I completely forgot. You have a pet in Skies of Glass. Yep. Yes, I do. I have Blue, a genetically engineered Blue Jay. Yeah. It's designed it, to be a pet. Who's not as intelligent as like a familiar would be. Right. But does have... But more intelligent than a rat. It, yes, and it was more intelligent than, than a standard bird would be. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. subhuman intelligence, but it does have an intelligence above what it ought to. And that is something that I do intend to develop. And I think it's going to be easier to do... Because previously you guys had the genetic construct horses. Mm -hmm. Now, I could have done more with them, but the thing is it was 
guys were on the riverboats, you right. were yeah. coming and going all the time. It was a lot harder to really have you guys constantly interacting with horses. A bird, however, can be pretty omnipresent. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot I can do with that bird. Now, I am somewhat limited, once again, because it's not a familiar. It, they don't share vision. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk. But there are things I can do to develop it to make it more than a line item on his inventory. Yeah. Yeah, because I know Chad doesn't want that to just be a line item. No. no. You wouldn't have put it on your sheet yeah. as a line item. I made a deal of some sort to get it. So yeah. That and a motorcycle. Yeah. It's a Blue Jay, right? Blue Jay, yeah. yep. Yeah. Great. Something else to bully Junior. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wayne, let's flip this around a little here. Let's say that Chad punts on this mm. and says, I want you to control your familiar. Yep. It's all you. Anything you want to do, cool with me. I think the first thing I would do is go right back to your personality traits now. I love that idea. I would do that for myself controlling it. Come up with those. Uh, and I like instead mm-hmm. of just two personality traits, I like this good, bad, quirk, things like that. Yeah. I would do that. I think maybe one, one thing I've tried to do is interact with it myself. Maybe it should interact with others mm-hmm. instead. No, that certainly is yeah. an option. Yeah. Like, like you are sitting there and you say, my raven goes and kind of nibbles on so-and-so's ear to get their attention. Yeah, things like that instead of just dealing with it myself. Or it can interact with an NPC. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm thinking back on that. When I was doing the Knolls, one of Gnarl's bodyguards fairly regularly went to have talks with Pat's character, Saren. Rot used to agitate Beth because Beth was so easily agitated. (laughs) (laughs) And unlike Gnarl, Beth's character was not bigger than Rot. (laughs) And so she couldn't really smack Rot around. Uh, And then John, who actually, he also tried to play a Gnoll, but he was like this weird, like, plague sorcerer thing. Well, and he was like a one-spell wonder. His whole thing was to to cast blind. Well, yeah, but he he was like this weird, like, it was nothing I had put into Norse society. Right. And so he was like this priest of Nurgle. Right, I just think he's like a playground. Yeah, and so Rot was utterly disgusted by him because there was... But nonetheless, it, there was a few points where Rot very conspicuously gave him the ew. And <laughs> just... yeah, He's a rounding error in our thinking. Mm-hmm. And I can think of a, a few other things, particularly with a bird. You could describe sitting on my shoulder and it has a diarrhea attack. <laughs> I was, I was thinking rat, yeah, but I would, wouldn't do rat because one of the players has a rat. Well, pet, that, but... that could be one of the ways that you or I can draw out the rat pet is it's... for her. It's a line item for us. It's a toy and, but we don't interact with it, but the bird does. And they're constantly <laughs> antagonizing each other and they get into like a fight on her body. Like, ah! <laughs> See, that would be awesome. And I don't know if they're still in fifth edition or not, because I haven't played a, uh, an ar- arcane or divine spellcaster in fifth edition yet, but you could even treat it like an animal swarm. Oh, you know what I would do if I had a wolf? Hmm. I would totally have like every morning you wake up and the wolf's there. And it's like, there's a finger in its mouth, <laughs> a severed finger. You don't know where it came from. Your party also has fingers. Are you trying to give me ideas? Because I just put an NP. They don't have any kind of rogue, any anything, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like clomp, clomp, clomp. We're thinkers or killers. 
And they don't have anybody who's subtle yeah. in any way. So I gave them an NPC who is a goblin rogue who rides a wolf. You find this graveyard that has all these wards and all these gargoyles and statues and such around it that imply that this is a dark and unsettled place. And when you turn around, the wolf is chewing on a femur. <laughs> like exactly. they do. Like they do. And it's like, oh, hell. <laughs> if somebody had a cat, pet, or mm-hmm. familiar, one of the things that a lot of cats do is they, they go hunting and they present things to you as trophies. Yep. I would at yep. least once have somebody wake up with a dead animal laying right next to their face that's a gift. Cats oh. also like being high up and on top of things. So if I had a cat familiar and somebody else had like a wolf they'd call it as a ranger, like a dire wolf mm-hmm. or something, this cat would suddenly turn into the Shrek Puss in Boots <laughs> where it would be forever attempting to ride this wolf yeah. everywhere. <laughs> that would be funny too. It's like you wake up, your wolf's staring at you. Uh-oh. He opens his mouth and a finger falls out. And the finger has a nobleman's ring on it. And you hear screaming in the distance from the town. God damn it. And the wolf communicates to you psionically. What does the word Bailnorn mean? Somebody somewhere got that joke. Actually, probably a bunch of somebody's got that joke. No, it's just two of you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody in the room got it. I no, didn't. No, okay. Uh, I'll just assume it's funny. I'll explain it later. <laughs> That's but, okay. Right. That'll make it funnier. <laughs> right. It could only make it funnier. It's the only possible. But yeah, I mean, that, that is, I think, a great way also to figure out the personality. Because, you know, with a lot of regular player characters, you don't really get their voice until you play them. Well, sitting there role-playing with yourself is probably a sign of mental illness. And so I think one of the great things about playing the animal with another player is not only is it more fun than carrying on a conversation with yourself, but also it gives you a chance to start giving that animal a place in the social dynamic, a reputation with other people. Uh, It helps you find its voice. It serves all these great ancillary purposes beyond just you not role-playing with yourself. It also can serve as a good thematic tool as well, because let's say our group, for example, in Sunday group, they've become very tight. They're very loyal to each other, and there really isn't any inter-party conflict that I've seen. Good stories have conflict, but you don't want to be that guy who makes the conflict. Right. Well, you know what? Your character doesn't have to be, but your damn bird can. Yeah, <laughs> it can be a prankster without yeah. being... Uh, yeah, yeah, without being disrupted, yeah, but I'll, just I'll enough go, to kind of... I'll go yeah. back to Rot. He was a total jackass, not just to my own character, but to Beth in particular as well, all the time. But he never actually did anything. Right. I mean, he never actually attacked Beth or stole her possessions yeah. or things like that. He was just constantly condescending and mocking. Mm-hmm. He was just an irritant, was all he was. And that was pretty much the extent of it. The worst things he did, I had him do to myself. So it wasn't because I think you can also drag out the point to where it's no longer because we talked about how with the if the game master controls it, you can get it to a point where the player wants to kill their own animal. Yeah. I don't think you're doing much better if you make it so bad that the player is playing the animal and now the rest of the party wants to kill it. Right? <laughs> and oh, yeah. so as soon as you guys camp for the night and Wayne takes the first uh, <laughs> turn sleeping, 
that suddenly these birds in a pillow sack uh, <laughs> right. getting repeated claws. <laughs> what was that? Oh, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Never mind that our frying pan now has a bird shape <laughs> printed in it, Tom and Jerry style. You wake up, who's cooking chicken? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, chicken. <laughs> Wayneish game hen. <laughs> One of the other things that could happen is, especially if you're playing like a serious character, and then you get to like cut loose with the, mm. the pet, People might prefer the pet over the actual player character yeah. and be like, I'd much rather you play your dog than play your dour ass you we, know, paladin. Years ago, I had that happen. I've, I've told this story before, but we had good old Phil played a druid who tried to set the forest on fire. He was the world's worst <laughs> druid. He was just like, he did not understand the concept. He was an eco-terrorist in the sense that he was terrorizing <laughs> the ecology. He was. And he's like... And he had a dog. He had a dog familiar. His character abused it, but not in the sense of he beat his dog. He just neglected it and didn't care about it and sent it into dangerous situations because it was a stat block to spring traps or something like that. And my character essentially adopted the dog. <laughs> and we started, you know, it was the potato-eating dog. It was this thing with spiced potato. We, we, I fed the dog potatoes. And then I said that, you know, it would snap up at him and grab him and... It gave more personality to the dog than it gave to Phil's ego terrorist. <laughs> and people like the dog. <laughs> it's just like, you go find a forest out. We're going to go adventure with the with puppy the here. It's, yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up here. And if you're still struggling with pets, then my recommendation is a great practice run is you can either own a pet and see how that fleshes out, or just play a knoll riding a Wamek. <laughs> and that's a pretty good fallback, because that's about the same. You know, actually, in, in seriousness, though, if you are having trouble trying to figure out a pet, have your character have a horse. Most characters do have horses, unless it's like a modern-day setting. And put personality into that. Make the character care about the horse. Because I did that with Lee in our Skies of Glass game. I had Lee try to actively befriend a horse. And all I was trying to do was just make a horse that wouldn't run away. That's all my whole goal was. But in giving the horse snacks, feeding it apples, trying to take some food and have it for the horse, and then brushing the horse out, I suddenly found that I had Lee made a connection with this horse that he, in character, cared about. Horse collar. Horse collar. <laughs> he named the horse, and it's like, oh, my God. And now he has a pet. And now he left it behind. It's like Lee was so distraught because they left the horse collar behind. And he was trying to manipulate people into going back and getting his damn horse. <laughs> but everybody else, is, all the other horses in the group. We just... should have delegated. The two GCs are actually probably intelligent enough to find it and bring it back. Right, right. You should have delegated. Should have put other horses on the task. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and we could have done our secretive Nim sub sod game About where all horses, all horses yeah, right. where the, the two yeah. horses go looking for the for horse color. And one of them was named Lee. Yeah. You could have still played Lee. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Right. Lee the horse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.